This week on the Country Music Media Podcast. Let me address that first because I think you could make a case that Carrie Underwood was not snubbed. And I know I made the exact opposite case, but you could say that she wasn't snubbed. And I, this isn't a popular opinion. I get it. Carrie Underwood fans are intense. They'll let you know if they disagree. Not shy. Love them for it. Y'all, she's been nominated in this category for 15 straight years. How mad are you going to get about it? Welcome to the Country Music Media Podcast. My name is Billy Dukes. If it's your first time, thank you. Consider subscribing. If you're back for more, let everyone know why with a rating and a review, and then share on social media. Really makes a huge difference. Plus, as you'll see here today, I just like talking about this. And recently, I actually... I got a little introspective with my motives for this podcast, and I found the root of it. I can deal with isolation during a pandemic pretty well. You know, I got my family, my bike, a box of wine, a few household projects. I'm good. I'm not that social of a person, but what I really miss is this kind of granular conversation. Tom Rowland, who was a guest once a couple of months back, we talked about TikTok. He's part of the Billboard team. And several years ago, we were at a roundtable together, just talking a little bit afterwards about the artist. I think it was a Jason Aldean event. And a question came up, and he said that he wouldn't ask that in that room, which I found really curious. I mean, Tom, he's a pro, but he knew about time and place in a way I hadn't learned yet. Or at least hadn't figured out how to put words to at that point. You don't want everyone in the room having access to your best questions as a journalist, but also there are some questions that are a little bit more intimate that are just going to get wasted with a crowd. Tom recognized that, held back, talked to Jason a little bit later, and ended up with a great story. I believe, uh, I believe it was Jason Aldean, but certainly it would have been for Billboard. I mean, this is the kind of conversation I've missed having over the last year or so. I've debated this buy-sell-hold idea that I did last week with journalists previously. I mean, it's fun. That's kind of it for me. So, like, when I say share this podcast and how much it means to me, I really do mean that. I want to grow this community and the conversation. You can find me on Twitter at Billy Dukes for some conversation or at email billydukes at gmail.com. On Monday, John Freeman joined me to talk about our two different approaches to a Carly Pierce interview, and Carly's team actually reached out to say they appreciated that. Always get a little tense when the publicist calls, but this time, all good. <laughs> Marcus Dowling from CMT and Rolling Stone has been a guest in recent weeks. Kelly Sutton, a previous guest. And then, of course, on Thursdays, we do the commentary. That's what we're in here for today. Lately, an episode called Eric Church is Flat Out Flexing has been trending, so you can check that out. Today, let's open the inbox, a new segment, important follow-up questions to things we've talked about, or just country music news stories that really matter. Many, many questions about upcoming album releases, a little bit about the ACM Awards and some of the snubs. And let me address that first, because I think you could make a case that Carrie Underwood was not snubbed. And I know I made the exact opposite case for her taste of country, but you could say that she wasn't stubbed, and I, this isn't a popular opinion. I get it. Carrie Underwood fans are intense. They'll let you know if they disagree. Not shy. Love them for it. Y'all, she's been nominated in this category for 15 straight years. How mad are you going to get about it? 
That's a record, by the way. Miranda Lambert, ironically, just tied her with her 15th straight nomination uh, just this past week. So now Miranda is actually the active leader with 15 straight. Outside of that, you'll find Kenny Chesney. He has 10 straight in the male category. Alabama once peeled off 13 straight Group of the Year nominations for the ACMs. Luke Bryant, and this is pretty amazing, he's been up for the ACM Entertainer of the Year Award nine straight years and counting. Uh, That's tied for most in that category with Garth Brooks and Alabama. Carrie had a quiet year. Other women working really, really hard. I have no problem with the five that were nominated. Typically, artists do sort of get grandfathered in, so when it doesn't happen, I can't complain. You'll get them next year. Don't hang your head. Chin up, kid. Chin up. CMA Fest was canceled. CMA Fest was canceled, which I'll get to shortly. Miranda Lambert appears to be releasing some recordings that her, Jack Ingram, and John Randall cut in Marfa, Texas. Uh, That announcement is coming real soon. I know a fair bit about it. I'm kind of sworn to secrecy, but I'll say it sounds really, really cool, really inventive. I might have said too much. But you're going to know. Don't worry. Soon enough. All right. First up from the inbox this week is at Vito Conaglario2 on Twitter, who asks, any news on Sam Hunt releasing new music? Yes. He teased some new songs on Instagram, February 10th, and a caption that says, new songs coming soon. But I think you have to put Sam in the I'll believe it when I see it category. (laughs) He kind of led us along like a bad boyfriend for about five years between Montevallo and Southside. Five years we were on that train. And and then he really only released a handful of new songs along with some other, he kind of trickled out like breadcrumbs on the digital level before that. So I'm off that beat. You know, the new Sam Hunt music beat, I'm off of it. There's no win. It's exhausting. Sometimes the, sometimes the artist is really the least trustworthy person in the room with regard to his or her own music. I cannot tell you how many A-listers have told me about a new single that's coming immediately only to have another song get released instead. You know, they hope. They hope. They don't know, though. Unless they're an independent artist, and then you can have... 100% control. So soon is what Sam Hunt is saying. If you put the over under at January 1st, 2022 for a new project on Sam, I would take the over 10 times out of 10. I can't recall who asked this question because Twitter wouldn't let me see my notification past a certain date anymore. But someone asked if we were going to get a new Marin Morris album this year. I don't think we will. Uh, I think at the very least... She's going to give radio all the time in the world to play her husband, Ryan Hurd's new song, Chasing After You. It just charted. Ryan's songs have traditionally been a really, really slow burn at radio. 30 to 40 weeks. That'd be really fast for him, even with Marin Morrison. And really a great guitar lick on that song. I mean, good Lord. That guitar. Woo. It's like musical pheromones. But that puts us like seven or eight months out before Marin releases a single, maybe an album later in the year, November. I don't know, maybe in the fall. I think the smart move for Marin would be to use that Q1 22 spot, kind of like Morgan Wallen did this past January. There's not a lot of competition. You know, she can go set all those streaming records. And she should do that. She'd look like a boss. Ryan and Marin, both on Sony Music as well, they share management. So everyone kind of in lockstep there for whatever plans they come up with. Question three, 
with Eric Church releasing his triple album on three different dates, how will that affect if it's nominated for awards, and his chart rankings. And I really love this question. And I did some research here and made a few calls, a couple of emails. I don't believe it will affect his awards and nominations because the ACM and the CMA awards, they're kind of able to bend the rules as they see fit. We've seen that happen from time to time. Uh, this is, I think everyone would agree, one creative endeavor. He's kind of releasing it in a new and innovative way, but it's one project. He recorded it all in 30 days up in the North Carolina mountains. I don't think we need to get caught up in the semantics of how it's being released. It's one project. It should be nominated for album as a whole, if the voters, of course, choose to do that. And we'll find out for the CMA Awards first on this, I guess, uh, so probably not until September. But as for the chart ranking, this is a little bit different. My source tells me that they haven't figured this out yet and probably won't for a little while longer. There's no precedent here. I'm sorry if that's an unsatisfying answer, but I'm going to keep following up and I'll let you know as soon as I find out. Uh, but yeah, it's not clear if that's going to be two or three separate. Because here's the thing, you have the Heart album and then you have the And album, which isn't really technically even getting released. He's just making it available to people in his fan club. So I don't even think that counts as an album release. Like you can't buy it as far as I'm, I'm told. You can't stream it. So it's like a tr if a tree falls in the woods doesn't make a sound it's, that's a similar theory and and then the church album or the um soul album is coming one week later so technically it's like two back-to-back -back releases but again it is one project so maybe they'll count that all kind of as one for the streaming and the sales data we'll have to wait and see on that a little bit late april for eric that's it for new music the rest have to do with songs and live shows like Lady Like Willow on Twitter asking, what song below the top 40 do you see being a hit in 2021? Well, definitely the Ryan Hurd and Maren Morris song. I think that's a hit. That's kind of an easy one. Jimmy Allen and Brad Paisley's Freedom is a Highway. I think that's going to be a hit. Russell Dickerson has a new song called Home Sweet that will be another hit, although maybe not until early 2022. And I would bet on the new Caitlin Smith Old Dominion song. It's called I Can't. And I really can't get enough of that song. You see what I did there? Little dad joke. <laughs> really great vocal, though, between Caitlin Smith and Matt Ramsey of Old Dominion. Kind of a natural collaboration. I mean, they're both Sony-ish artists, so it works really well. Caitlin as a vocalist, I mean, she can blow anyone out of the water. But she sounds really good with Matthew. He hangs, he hangs in there with her, and it's a really nice stylized lyric. It's called I Can't. And I'm going to link to these songs and some of this other information all in the show notes as well as the website countrymediapodcast.com. I left off some songs from that below the top 40 mark that I really like quite a bit. I just I just can't believe are going to be hits. And, and the biggest one, I think, is Larry Fleet's Where I Find God. Man, I love this song. This is just such a great vocal. Uh, Chris Owen, chart expert Chris Owen, who's been on the show a couple of times, he picked this song as his song to watch way, way, way back early on in the infancy of this podcast, but it's about out of gas. I've never loved uh, A Ladylike by Ingrid Andres as a radio single, so that's one I have a hard time thinking is going to be a hit in 2021. Uh, the new Parker McCollum song, kind of uninspiring, so I'm not 100% sure on that one. And then there's this new guy named Nate Barnes. I have no idea who Nate Barnes is, 
But he has a song at number 52 on the charts right now called You Ain't Pretty, and they spent a ton of money advertising him and that song during CRS, and it's paying off for him. Couldn't tell you if it's a hit. Typically, new labels, new artists, kind of a tough go. Might make it unlikely. It's kind of tricky this time around, though, because he's got some familiar faces at the label. Good-looking kid, though, and he's actually from my neck of the woods. Uh, Nate, as it turns out, uh, worked at a nuclear power plant in South Haven, Michigan. I went to college in Kalamazoo, Michigan, about 45 minutes away. South Haven's kind of a beach community. And what people used to do, people who grew up in the Kalamazoo area would drive out to South Haven and you would swim kind of any time of year in and around where that nuclear power plant was because the water was so much warmer. What if they still let them do that? <laughs> At Music Colby didn't really ask a question, but he did methodically give his trade picks from my buy, sell, or hold episode from a week ago. And the question presented was this. If certain artists were stock that you could buy, would you buy? Who would you sell? And who would you hold? And he makes a really good point about buying Russell Dickerson. Totally agree with that. He's had several hit songs, great hit personality, good-looking guy, good interview, good on stage. There's a real high upside there with Russell Dickerson, and I think if you can find some songs that sort of define him as an artist, that's the trick for every artist, right? Finding those right songs. If he does that, though, yeah, he's a great buy. So many opinions on the buy, sell, and hold. Really, really nuanced, smart opinions on my Twitter feed, too. And my audience isn't a bunch of dum-dums, that's for sure. Two more questions. First up, can I be on your podcast? Yeah, I mean, I'm at Star Chasing. Anyone who's really knowledgeable on a topic uh, can be a part of the podcast. But here's the thing. You know, there's only four a month, so it's kind of tough, kind of competitive. I like to do go certain directions myself. It has to be living, like living news. I like That's kind of where I like to live. I don't want to do a lot of retrospective stuff on this podcast. Uh, and I get a lot of that kind of question, actually. Sometimes from publicists pitching new artists. Uh, no, no, your new artist cannot be on my podcast. Unless they're also in the media. And I say that because Apple Radio has a lot of artists who are hosts on their radio shows. And, and some of those I would love to have on, but... You can email me privately if you want, billydukes at gmail.com for more information on that. Finally, then this is sort of more of just kind of like a general response. I don't know if this qualifies as in the inbox, but response to the news of CMA Fest being canceled for 2021, second year in a row. I think it's time I share what I sense with regards to live music this year and next. And I've been pretty down on it. I didn't think it would happen this quickly, that we'd have any semblance of normalcy when it comes to live music. And I'm still pretty skeptical, but I'm starting to see signs that maybe September is going to be a really, really interesting month for the return of live music. If the spring and the summer goes really well and the vaccine gets out there, it could happen in some large ways at arenas come September. That's when Kane Brown moved his tour to. Garth Brooks moved his tour to to September. Dan and Shay's tour starts in September. I mean, there seems to be some level of confidence that September may work on some level. I don't know how it's going to be wholesale or or what that means. Is it going to be 100% capacity? And in a lot of cases, it has to be because playing for much less than capacity crowds, that's a money loser for artists and promoters and venues. I mean, all these socially distant shows where you, you see 15 or 20 percent capacity crowds. I mean, I was talking to an artist a week or two ago during CRS. 
He broke down the math for me and explained that that don't work. Like, you can't make a living on that. That's a loss. The only way it works is if there's some significant side hustling happening. happening. Uh, artists making money on merchandise or some sort of consumables during the show. Like, if an artist has, like, a beer and he sells that and makes money off the beer. Or, like, Willie Nelson. If Willie Nelson's selling his own weed, yeah, he might make a few extra bucks off of that show to be able to cover some of his costs. But quite frankly, you need a few of those ideas, not just for shows, but to kind of survive as an artist right now. Independent artists, this is where they are ahead of the game because they're set up for this pandemic. You have to have side hustles if you're an indie artist. I think a lot of the mainstream uh, artists, especially those signed to labels, they don't have that infrastructure. Starting to see people kind of develop those. I think the most obvious one recently is Kane Brown, who who not only formed his own record label, uh, sort of a sub-label, signed an artist that he had been working with uh, for quite some time. If there's anything this pandemic has taught me, it's the value of a side hustle. Even if you're not making money from it, it might provide you a little sanity. And I thank you for that. By the numbers this week, it's a familiar Morgan Luke Luke triumphant on the album's chart this week, and it's Morgan Luke Morgan on streaming. Wasted on You is the number one streamer, then Better Together by Luke Combs, and Sand in My Boots by Morgan Wallen. Good Time by Nico Moon making a big push. In fact, he's number three on the sales chart, topped by Somebody Does by Tiger Lily, and The Good Ones by Gabby Barrett on sales. Most out of that country radio is Nate Barnes with You Ain't Pretty. Number one country airplay song is Down to One by Luke Bryant. And the hottest of all hot country songs is Gabby Barrett. And I hope she's back now 26 weeks for her. Pretty dang impressive. Big thanks to Billboard for the charts, Taste of Country for the job, Cassandra on Twitter for the kind words about our episode with Kelly Sutton. You can find that in the archives. Kelly is a doll. Follow me on Twitter at Billy Dukes. Email billydukes at gmail.com. Another great guest joins me on Monday, and then Thursdays it's news and commentary. Something sort of stinks about the Grammy nominations process, but should it? Let's find out together next week during episodes 39 and 40 of the Country Music Media Podcast.